I want to tell you this. You may not know this, but your parents have probably lied to you your entire life. Yeah, you're like, I know this. I'm not calling your parents liars. I'm just saying they probably lied to you a lot in your lifetime, and they probably had one particular lie, and your grandmother and grandfather probably helped perpetuate this, and maybe your aunts and uncles, but they told you this untruth. You can be anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. You say, well, Casey, I can be anything I want to be. My mama said I can be anything I want to be. Well, how's it going being the starting center for the Lakers right now for you? I mean, some of us are what we would call vertically challenged. And we will never be the starting center basketball player of anything ever because, unfortunately, height did not fall our way. Now, you can blame your mama. You can blame your dad. But genetics didn't come your way, and so you're never going to be the starting center. And if you have the athletic prowess that I possess, you'll never be the starting point guard Shooting guard, forward, small forward, power forward, coach. You probably won't even be the water boy because you don't deserve to be on the same court with athletes. That's kind of how I am. I know you find that difficult to believe with the athletic prowess you see before you this evening, but uh, it's just not there. Just not there. Uh, so they lied to you in saying you can be anything that you want to be. And you, you have had, though, some uniqueness about you. And that is, you are here at this time, at this place, and you have a unique set of gifts, talents, abilities that no one else has ever possessed since the dawn of time. You ever think about that? There's only one you. And the opportunities that come your way are uniquely yours. They're uniquely yours. And so in some sense, you can make the most of any opportunity that comes your way. You can. You can make the most of it. And tonight, we're going to read about a church that made the most of the opportunity that God presented to them. But you are in a special time. You're in a special place. How do I know this? Because I know the opportunities that are set before you. None of you that I know of have anything really tying you down, per se. You have the, the ability right now that if you wanted to drop out of college and join the circus, you could. Your parents might be upset with you. They might frown on it a little bit. And your scholarships may be in you know, somewhat peril if that were to happen. So don't, don't take this literally, but you could do that. Because you have the opportunity 
And actually, in this day and age, you have information that is so overwhelming to you that you can find out what's going on around the globe. Really, at no other point in time has this really existed for college students. And with the, you know, even with like the missions table out there or with Gracie coming up here and talking about uh, Windshape Camp and things like that, you have opportunities to go and serve and be and do this summer that are totally unique, that are really beyond comprehension. And the church that we're going to look at tonight, the church at Philadelphia, they took advantage of the opportunities that God presented to them. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Now, if you were to look at the, the, the church at Philadelphia and kind of understand the city of Philadelphia, you would say, yeah, is, is it like the Philadelphia here in the United States? Yes, that's where it gets its name from. It means a city of brotherly love. But this city, which is about 30 miles roughly from uh, Sardis, had some uniqueness about it in that it was particularly situated kind of as a hub of Greek culture around three different countries or regions. And so it was kind of the center and just off of its borders were three unique countries or regions. And over time, Philadelphia, this city basically infiltrated culturally into those regions and the Greek lifestyle, the Greek culture basically took over these three different countries. Well, as that was going on, as art and science and language were permeating into these three different regions, also religion, faith did as well. And so the faith of Christ, Christianity, so to speak, believing in Jesus, went into these areas, went into these countries, and it all started with Philadelphia. This city was also known to have earthquakes, so much so that the city was destroyed. And so these people at this church are, are pretty unique out of the seven churches in the position that they have geographically, and then their ability to bounce back from tragedy. And so this is one of the churches that John has no big church word, condemnation for. He doesn't have anything bad to say about them, only good things. And so it's really good for us to look at this tonight because they are taking advantage of the opportunities that God has presenting to them. Okay? And so I want you to ask yourself... It's a Dana Carvey question, and none of you in here probably know who Dana Carvey is, but he had a movie that's called Opportunity Knocks. When opportunity knocks at your life's door, how do you answer it? Some of us are fearful, fearful of any opportunity and that we keep the door closed. We're going to keep it touch, shut tight and we're going to kind of put our weight against it. And when opportunity knocks, we've got our full weight against it, all of who we are against it. And we're like, I don't care what it is. I've got an idea of where my life is going and what my life is doing. And I'm going to brace myself against anything that comes against my plan. 
and we keep the door of opportunity shut, locked, and we've swallowed the key. So think about this. When opportunity knocks, one, can you answer? Two, how do you answer? And what do you say in that answer? And let's read Revelation 3, 7 through 13. To the angel of the church at Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are in the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. God, in these next few moments, I ask that you open our hearts and minds to your will and way. Lord, that we would hear you knocking on our heart. And we would know that you and you alone are able to open opportunities to us. Just like the church at Philly. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we're going to look at the opportunity maker. We're going to look at the opportunities made. And we're going to talk about how the church here at Philadelphia minimized its obstacles. And what God does when you make the most of the opportunities he presents you. Simply, it's going to go like this. You're going to get a glimpse of the opportunity maker. You're going to get the most out of every opportunity. You're going to get rid of the opposition. And then the last one that I love so much, I love this point. Tonight, we're going to talk about grabbing the opportunity by the tail and flinging it around. So the opportunity maker, who is God, Look at how God is described. Look at how Christ, God is described here in the first few verses. In these verses, it says, these are the words of him who is holy. That's one thing, holy. And here for this church and for us, he's saying holy in that he is pure in his intentions. He is pure in his motives. He desires for us to see the opportunities he sets before us as pure and holy and right and just. He's not going to give us a snake when we ask for bread. Also, it says here that he is true. That he is true. That what he says is trustworthy. The advice that he gives is to be trusted. That it will not lead us astray. And he has this ability to be pure and holy because he is the one who holds the keys of David. You say, Casey, is that the same keys that he's holding earlier on in the book? Possibly, yes. Those were the keys to death in Hades. But here 
It is the key of David, which would be the key to the kingdom, to all the wealth, all the power, all the goodness of the kingdom. So he holds in his hands the keys to death and Hades and also the keys to heaven. In other words, he is supreme. He is in control. He is in the one who unlocks, if you will, both heaven and hell. He has full control over both. And then it reads, I love this part, what he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open. He is a door opener because he holds the keys. The opportunity he gives are to be trusted. They are not to be mistrusted. With God, there is no good opportunities. There are only glorious opportunities that perpetuate his glory. So the opportunity maker wants us to be like the church at Philly and make the most of every opportunity. And so how are we to do this? How are we to make the most of every opportunity? It says here that we are to be looking for the doors that he is opening. And that's a big deal that he is opening. And so when God knocks and presents opportunity to us, we need to know that he is in control of opening and closing the doors. You hear people say, well, when God opens one door, he closes another. It's true. But I would say that when God opens one door, he opens three or four doors. And he may shut three or four as well. Because generally it's not one decision that you have to make. Generally one decision has multiple ramifications. And so when he opens one door, other doors fling open. Does that make sense? When one door opens, others fling open as a result of you walking through that opportunity. Case in point, college. This is one opportunity that you have made. You said, I want to go to college. Some of you are questioning that right now. Especially as we get to the end of the quarter, some of you may question it even more. You may be like, God, why doth thou torment me? the blight upon my soul that is differential equations. It hurts so bad. My brain feels like that at one point it will go. But in coming to college, there have been opportunities that have opened up to you that are literally not open to the majority of the world. And you've taken advantage of this opportunity. And in doing so, multiple opportunities are opening up for you. And you don't even realize it. You have the opportunity once you graduate that you probably will make more money. Now, here's the con of that. You may likely be more in debt. That's the way it is. You have the potential in college that you are highly likely to find a mate. Highly likely. There's a lot of people doing that nowadays from what I hear, that people are dating and mating. All right. Okay. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. I appreciate that. He opens the doors. And he opens, no one can shut. He opens what 
he says, lines out with his will and kingdom growth. We're to know that just like Philly, just like the church at Philadelphia, that he did that even though they were, if you notice the text, it says, of little strength. We don't know if this meant that the church was weak or that it was weak in number, but we understand that the point that, he, that, that, that John is making here is that they are weak, and so he's emphasizing that Christ is strong. Does that make sense to us? He's saying that they were weak, but Christ was strong. In other words, the church that had no condemnation, he calls them weak, but he's not calling them weak out of condemnation, out of badness, or saying this is something I have against them. He's saying they are weak, and I have made them strong. And we find that true in most biblical texts, that when we are weak, he is definitely strong. So they relied on his strength to accomplish his will through the opportunities that he had opened. We're also told that Philadelphia kept his word. His word are the instructions on how we can make the most of every opportunity. Opportunity that presents itself to us when we have that opportunity before us. Now through his word, we know how to start to obtain it and to carry it out. And so oftentimes when we say, God, you have put this before me. What should I do? God's word says, this is how you do it. Fourth encouragement that he offers them is that we may find ourselves like Philadelphia and having multiple opportunities that we need to filter through. In our culture today, for you guys in college, this is something that most college students just have a really, really hard time with. You are good at lots of things. You say, well, thank you. Appreciate that. I find that I am quite good at many things. And I just have a trouble deciding which thing I want to pursue. The author gives us some great words for this. He says that the church at Philadelphia looked at the opportunities and made the most of them by making God the center of everything they were doing, knowing the purpose that he had for them and has for us as followers of Christ helps us filter through all the open doors. We begin to see how God is going to use us to accomplish his kingdom work. If you look at the text, it says, yet have kept my word and have not denied my name. Denied my name. And so they were filtering every opportunity that came before them at that church through the glory of God's name. And so their primary purpose in the buying and selling of goods, in their job, in their church, in their family was always putting Christ first. And so you may have opportunities before you left and right. There are many before you. What major, what girl, what guy, what to do with your summer. And you're saying, how do I filter all these things so that I may bring glory to God? I'm going to tell you right now, you filter it through his name. Ask yourself, God, does the major that I've chosen, does it bring glory to your name? God, the major that you have, have put upon my heart, how do I leverage that for the glory of your kingdom? And if your answer is simply, I will make money and give it to the church, you're wrong. 
God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need a tenth of your engineering salary. He doesn't need it. God wants your life. He wants all of it. He doesn't just want 10% of the money you bring home. He wants all of you. And he wants your home too. The opportunity maker, we've looked at him, wants to make the most of every opportunity. And he also gives us ways to minimize the opposition. And look at verse 9. Ways to minimize the opposition. Look at verse 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. We need to know... As Christ is saying here through John, we need to know who is really on his team. Who's really on his team. If we're going to take full advantage of the doors that he is opening, we must know who we can count on to help us accomplish his will. Who do you know that is on his team? We also need to know who has the real power. He will make them come and fall down at your feet. He has the power. Satan and his forces have no opposition to God and his followers. We speak his name and watch the demons scatter. We must understand that he loves us. It says here at the end of the verse 9, it says, I have loved you. We must understand that he loves us. The opposition may seem large, but our God is much bigger. He will keep us from the hour of trial, it says. We sing all things work together for his good. Zach even talked about that. Opportunity is knocking, the doors are opening, and the opposition is folding running in fear of the opportunity maker. Because as Luke 18, 27 says, Jesus replied, it says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Do you believe hardcore that he can do all things? This is where most of us line out. This is where, where, where I lined out when I was roughly your age. I said, God, you can do all things. And if you could do some of those things through me, that would be great. But God, please, please, please never make me a minister. Prayed that all the time. My dad was a minister. I saw that it didn't really agree with him. And so I prayed pretty consistently through high school that God, please don't make me a minister. Make me anything but a minister. I'll be a rodeo clown before I'm a minister. Please, God, I'll jump in and out of a rubber barrel with, uh, you know, a multiple thousand pound bull chasing me before I would be a minister. God has an incredible sense of humor and he knows our heart and he knows the time that we're in and he knows our unique gifts. And then he presents to us these awesome opportunities. And as those doors open and we begin to walk through as we follow his will, multiple other doors fling open before us. And we're like, whoa, how did I get here? And God goes, I can tell you because I've been weaving this thread. 
of salvation and redemption through your life, year after year, month after month. And to him, it's perfectly clear. We only get clarity oftentimes in retrospect. I prayed, God, never make me a minister, never make me a minister, never make me a minister. I got this wild and crazy idea one summer that I would at least give God a summer and I was going to go and serve him in the great state of Montana on summer missions. I picked Montana because to my knowledge, it was nothing like Florida. Never been to Montana, never really seen snow before. And I was like, God, I'll go to Montana. Sounds like a cool place. And if you're doing stuff up there, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I said, God, I'll go, but just don't make me a minister. This is your one shot. You get me for a summer. Let's go have fun for Jesus. Yahoo. All right. So I get up there and we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff all summer. I had a partner from Florida State and we were just two Florida boys living for Jesus all summer. We did insane, crazy stuff that I probably should have died five or six times that summer, but God had his hand upon my life and was just rescuing stupid. You know what I'm saying? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. He was just rescuing stupid all summer. We didn't know there were bears in the woods and we just take off two Florida boys like black bears. We got those in Florida. They're like puppies. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, no, dude, we got grizzlies. Like, we're like, whoa, what do you mean? We're like this. And he's like, like, whoa, what do you mean? Like grizzlies, like push over trees and kill you. We're like, what? That was after that we basically walked off from the camp that we were working at because we had a free day. And we're like, dude, we're going to go climb that mountain. And the guy that was with us, kind of our boss at that time, he's like, that mountain? We're like, yeah, it's right there. He's like, y'all going to climb that mountain today? I'm like, yeah, we'll be back. Don't worry about it. He goes, Okay. So we take off and we're up this trail. We're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. The elevation's getting higher, elevation's getting higher, elevation's getting higher. This is July. We start seeing snow. That's how high we were. Snow drifts in the shadows. We're like, dripping a jacket? Man, it's summertime. I haven't got a jacket. Wait a minute. This is Montana. You think there's snow up there? What time is it? Is it Montana time on your watch? I can't tell. We hiked about, I think that day we probably got about 12 miles up this trail. We ended up hiking it down in the pitch black dark with no flashlight. There were points that we were on our knees feeling for how the trail dipped because we couldn't see. No stars, no moon. We get back about 2.30 a.m., after they've already went and searched for us a little bit, we come crawling out of the woods. They said, guys, where you been? We're like, somewhere up there. <laughs> I said, where were you going? And our boss, his name was Roger. He was standing there. He goes, they thought they were going to climb that mountain. And the guy goes, do you know how far away that is? And we're like, mm, wow. He goes, that mountain will take you three days to get to. We were from Florida. We didn't know. 
But what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so you have opportunities that you are holding tight against, that you have braced yourself against. And you're saying, God, I shall not be moved. Guess what? Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And if God is purposed your life for that, it is my prayer that you will just step back, open the door, and look at all the opportunity he has for you. Last part here, I want to quote a misquote by the great theologian Matt Foley. He had it all wrong for the Christ follower. Matt Foley said this in one of in his skit. He said, hey kids, you're probably saying to yourselves, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to grab the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down. I'm going to put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you, said Matt Foley. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to jack squat. Great Saturday Night Live skit. But for the follower of Christ, Matt Foley's got it all wrong. When you grab the world by the tail for the glory of God, know that his will, ways, and works will amount to joyous shouts of praise. We see that happen to the church at Philadelphia, and we can grab a lot of encouragement from it. It says that they became or will become like pillars in the latter verses. They will become like pillars. And to people that were surrounded by earthquakes, this was extremely important. Christ is emphasizing his ability to provide confidence and stability and strength in a swaying world. In a culture that shifts like sand, where people are searching for significance, we have an opportunity maker who gives us a purpose that will be perpetuated long after we're dead. Don't you be a part of something epic? The Bible says that our life is like a vapor. Our life is like a vapor, like a wisp, like a breath. but Christ is a pillar. And when we participate in his kingdom work, when we give our lives totally to him, and when we are looking for the opportunities that he is opening before us continuously, and we are stepping through them, then we become part of that work and our lives become epic as they tell his story through history. Not only will they have confidence as pillars, but those who overcome, they will have a new name, a new home, and a new future. A new name, it says, a new name of my God. In other words, who they were and who we are become found in him. We become known as his children, as his people we are known by his name. We have a new residence as well. It says they have a new city. Where they are from will change. And so not only who you are, but where you're from will be renewed and changed as opportunities 
open, not just for who you are, but where you are. And then a new future. It says a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. That is the future, the new Jerusalem. And so it is not only who you are and where you are, but it's where you are going. Now think about this as 18, 19, 21, 22, 23, 24, year olds in this room. You're all about your future. Where am I going in life? God, what am I going to be doing? God, show me my future mate. God, show me my future job. God, tell me what I need to do. He already has. In his word, he has told you. Glorify my name. He said, because that does not help me one bit. I like Becky a whole lot, and I need to know if I need to ask Becky to marry me. Glorify my name. Glorify my name. But I want to be, I want to be an engineer. I, 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 I want to be a mechanical engineer. You know, I want to, I want to build things. I want to fix things. I want to do things. Fluids, thermodynamics, that's my jam. I want to be that dude. Glorify my name. And if that means you ride the back of a garbage truck from now till Jesus comes, if you glorify his name, then guess what? The future is his and you're doing it. We are not defined by what we do. We, as followers of Christ, are defined by who we love. And if Becky gets in the way of Jesus, then God's going to get rid of Becky. And you want him to. You know what I'm saying? Because if Becky distracts you from what Jesus calling upon your life, then Becky or Barney need to say bye-bye. Heaven bound because we have taken advantage of the greatest opportunity Christ has ever given to us, and that is the cross. And so we are going the same direction that God is going. Our future is going the same direction that God is going when we align our future with the cross. The point to ponder tonight is pretty simple. What is keeping you from making the most of the doors that he is opening? What is keeping you from making the most of the doors that he is opening? It may be pride. It may be selfish desires. It may be that you're scared of the opposition. It could be that you have grabbed a hold of the world under your own strength when God is saying, hold on to it under my strength. You grabbed it by your strength and you're holding on. But instead of you holding on to the world, the world is actually holding on to you and it's giving you the ride of your freaking life. And it is a little bit scary. You see, when sin ensnares us, we think we've got a good, we think we've got a good foothold. It's like, this just got me a little bit. I can walk off and leave this sin anytime I want. And we don't understand that we're already trapped. So what opportunity, 
What opportunity are you missing? The point to practice is for us tonight, and I appreciate you guys last week really taking the point to practice so seriously. So many of us were praying at 2.52, saw it on Instagram, saw it all over, uh, just blessed my heart. I, I, I decided I was praying at 2.52 a.m., and then I was like, you know what? I was enjoying it so much, I started praying at 2.52 p.m., and just had, I mean, I was like, a.m. and p.m., I was like, you know what? God is going, it's him again, 2.52 guy. You know, if that's how God was seeing it, I was glad to hear. It's like it's a 252 brigade. Here they come. Watch out. All right. He's like counting down 251, 50 seconds, 52 seconds. I love it when these guys pray. Here they come. Angels, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You know what my alarm for my, for my alarm for 252 was? I went NBA jam style. I went boom shakalaka. So my phone would go off and it would say boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka. I love that. And I'll be like, it's time to pray. Look, I was in Walmart. I'm walking down the aisle. My phone starts going, boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka. I was like, I just stopped my cart, bowed my head. I forgot to turn the alarm off. So I was like, dear Jesus, boom, shakalaka. I was like, amen, hallelujah, boom, shakalaka. Turned it off. People were looking at me. I was like, you know what? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'll pray for you too, brother. Just tell me what I got to pray for you about. Boom, shakalaka. Let's see what God's going to do at 252. So I appreciate you guys jumping on that. So seven days are up. Continue, if you will. Depends on how bad you want to wake up. How bad do you want to wake up yourself and the world? So the point to practice tonight, you ready for it? You have to get out your phone again. Don't worry, you probably already got it out probably Snapchitting and Twitter something and ticking and talking and all kinds of good stuff like that right now. And that's good stuff. Okay. You probably, probably snapped TikTok and now you've got to Insta something of it. All right. So, uh, Appreciate y'all doing that. So the point to practice, this is a little bit complicated. So those of you that are of, <clears throat> what shall we say, uh, mentally incapacitated at this point due to test stress, listen carefully. For us to take advantage of the open doors God gives us, we often need a little push. And so the door is open, and we're kind of like, <clears throat> uh, Jesus, uh, Heavenly Father, do you see what is on the other side of this thing? He's like, uh-huh, I put it there. And you're like, well, well, I see it, and I don't much like it. And so we need a little, what, I think what the French call encouragement. We need a little encouragement. <laughs> and we're just standing there, and we're like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like when you're standing on the edge of a cliff, you know, your friends start joking around, like pushing you and stuff. You're like, stop it. Sometimes you just got to push your friend into the pool. You know what I'm saying? You just got to push them off into the deep end and let make them. So we're going to push each other a little bit tonight. Okay. So you may have a friend in here and you may not, but we need to push some people tonight. We need to push them. Through the open doors. And the best way I know how to do that is to encourage them. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to text a friend. 
that you have seen God working in their life, I want you to text them and affirm. That's a spiritual word for encouragement. I want you to text them and affirm that in them and just say, you know what? I want to encourage you to step through that open door. So this is what this may look like this evening. It could be something like this. Hey, Becky. I see how God is preparing you to work with kids. You're going to be a great teacher. That's simple. But you know what? If Becky's sitting there and she's on that precipice of being a teacher or not for the glory of God and imparting wisdom and knowledge to the next generation, but also imparting God's love to the next generation, and you're the one who comes along and encourages her and gives her a little extra push during these what we would call finals days where it's kind of hard to be a teacher possibly, then she may find it a little bit easier to walk through that door and to keep on keeping on. You know, sometimes just a simple encouragement from a friend can do so much. Just I see how God is moving in this area of your life and I just want to encourage you. I just want to affirm that. I just want to bless that and let you know that I know that he knows that you know that it's all good. And so I encourage you to do that tonight. If you don't push, they may never step through. The phrase that I want you to kind of put on your heart and mind and I want you to continually pray is that opportunity is knocking. It's knocking. It's knocking. It's knocking. I want you to ask this question. Is that you, Jesus? Is that you, Jesus? And when you hear the still small voice say yes, man, fling open those doors and let heaven's blessings abound. You have not because you ask not. When God opens a door, no one can close it. Mm. Talk about Waymaker. Could we say that? Could we say maybe, maybe that's Waymaker tonight? Is that okay, Zach? Can I steal that thunder tonight? Can I say that may be the Waymaker is that he opens a door and ain't nobody shutting the blessings of heaven. So I want to ask you tonight just to push some people. Oh, just push them off the freaking edge. Can we do that? You ever been told in church to push a friend? There you go. Push her harder, harder. Okay, now that looks like a fight. <laughs> awesome. So many of you tonight encouraging each other. It's a blessing. We're going to have a word of prayer. We do have a couple of things we wanted to announce, but make sure you push somebody before you get out of here. All right? Push them hard. Don't push them softly. Okay? Push them hard. 
Let's pray. Lord God, tonight we thank you and praise you for the opportunities you open before us, God. We hear you knocking at our hearts, Lord, and we want to say, yes, it is Jesus. And Lord, so open those doors and let no one shut them, Lord. Let us walk through them passionately following you, Lord, that we would be like the church at Philadelphia and we would see where the opportunities are that we would know that they were from you and that we would passionately follow you so that your kingdom may abound more and more. To you be all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.